So uh, many years ago, I lived north of Montreal, a little town called Rawdon, um, which nobody's ever heard of uh, because it's tiny and it's just north of Montreal. And anyway, that's where we lived. And I was the rector of the parish there. And we one day, I, somebody knocked at our door. And I came up to the door, um, which is the other interesting thing about this. This entire conversation was in French because it's north of Montreal. They all spoke French. But there were these Jehovah's Witnesses who came to my door. And my kind of feeling about these things is you started the conversation, so I'm happy to have it with you. And so we had this long conversation. And the thing that they were on about that day particularly was um, they had a little pamphlet that says, do you have to believe in the Trinity? And to which I responded, well, no, unless you want to call yourself a Christian. And if you're going to call yourself a Christian, yes, you do. And which they, 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 they assuming that I didn't know the Bible at all, they said to me, did you realize, kind of conspiratorially, did you realize um, that the word Trinity does not appear in the Bible anywhere? And I said, yes, I did. Um, <laughs> But also, there are these interesting things in the Bible, I said, like um, Jesus, when he says to us, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What's that about, I said. And then the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. What's that about? Anyway, the conversation continued, and it may or may not have ended with them fleeing my porch and me blessing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it really happened. Um, so that's the fundamental question. Do we have to believe in the Trinity? Well, again, if we we're going to call ourselves Christians, yes. But the fundamental question I want to ask at the beginning here is, well, there are two questions. Why do we believe in God as Trinity? And secondly, what is our response to that reality? So the first thing is, why do we believe that God is Trinity? Well, we believe that God is Trinity because we believe that God has shown himself to us has self-revealed himself in the scriptures. And the witness of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is throughout the scriptures. It is this articulation that God gives to us of who he is. It begins ultimately in Genesis um, where we read this. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, and listen carefully to this, the earth was formless and void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. In this short little passage, we see references to the Trinitarian nature of God. It is God, it is the Father who creates the heavens and the earth. It is God who says these things. And it is God, the spirit, the wind, the Hebrew word is ruach, which means wind or spirit. Um, it is the wind of God, the spirit of God that sweeps over the water. And God's even... How God creates is he creates through his word by speaking, let there be light. And we read in the beginning of John's gospel, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. And all things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. So even at the beginning in the Old Testament, the beginning of Genesis, we see this reference to the Trinitarian nature of God, Father, Son, and Word, Father, Word, or Son, and Holy Spirit in, in Genesis. And at the baptism of Jesus in the New Testament, we read this, as soon as Jesus, the Son, was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, the heavens were opened, 
and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. So we have Jesus, the Spirit, descending like a dove, alighting on him. And then the voice from heaven, the voice of the Father saying, this is my Son. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit again in the baptism of Jesus. And indeed, Jesus speaks throughout the scriptures, but particularly in John's gospel. He speaks of and prays to the Father, particularly in the farewell discourse. And on, the, and on returning to the Father, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. This is all kind of throughout the New Testament. And then, as I mentioned to the Jehovah's Witnesses, those Trinitarian formulas in the texts today, grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. These are these articulations of the reality of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe in the Trinity because God has told us this is who he is. And as Bennett said at the very beginning, that reality is a dynamic reality of love and self-giving love and self-sacrificing love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's Jesus who gives up sacrificially his glory um, to be made flesh, um, to become one of us. It is the spirit who is poured out upon us, the love of God poured out upon us uh, in, uh, in Pentecost and throughout our lives. It is the mystery of this dynamic reality of God um, that he reveals to us in the scriptures. And so we worship God as Trinity. We uh, believe in God as Trinity because he has told us that that is who he is. So that's kind of the first, I mean, I, there may be other reasons why we might think about it. I always think the best reason, if God has told us in the scriptures that's who he is, we should probably believe that. Um, that's just a tip for life. Um, um, but I, I want to actually kind of walk through very briefly the three, um, three of the texts that were to the, the psalm, um, the psalm, the epistle, and the gospel today, because I think they each in different ways display responses that we have to this mystery of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. At least three responses that we might have to the reality of God as glorious, eternal Trinity. Um, and the first one is this, that, that, that our experience of God as Trinity inspires our worship. We will see that in Psalm 150. Our experience of God as Trinity as God related even unto himself in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, love flowing back and forth, inspires us to similar community as there is community within the context of the Trinity. And ultimately, our response to God as Trinity calls us to mission. And we read that in the gospel. So our first response is worship. And that's as always true. When we come in contact, when we come face to face with the glory, the majesty, holiness of God, our response is always worship, adoration. We sometimes have experiences of this that is sort of, that is not, uh, God, but it's sort of God at a remove. I remember one time uh, north of Montreal, not in Rodden with the Jehovah's Witnesses, it was a different place. I was driving through the mountains and I came over the crest of the hill. There was this mountain sort of over here. The sun was shining in a certain way and there was something majestic and awesome to it that reflected in some way God's glory. And I was moved to worship because of the glory and the wonder of that. That is our I think our natural response to the glorious, to the holy, to the truth. And, and so in this, we see in Psalm 150, I have a slightly different de uh, uh, translation than what we um, read this morning. But in that, our, our first response to God as Trinity is awe and worship. Um, 
And in Psalm 150, we say, well, well, where do we worship and who does the worshiping? Well, it says here that praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary. That is the church on earth. That is us in the sanctuary, in the assembled church together. It is us in the, on earth that praise God. But not only that, but also in the firmament of heaven, in the heavens, the church in heaven. So the church here, the church militant here on earth, worships God in response to that, the, the reality of the Trinity. And the church triumphant um, in heaven um, worships God as Trinity. And in the end of the, the, the text, we says that let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So it is the church on earth, the church in heaven, and everything that has breath to praise the Lord in response um, to who he is. And why do we respond in worship? Well, we respond because he says, we praise him for his mighty deeds. We praise him, we worship him for what he has done. Creation, as I mentioned, creation as an example. The reality of the creation that God has made around us. We praise him for the glory of that. We certainly praise him for the salvation that he brings to us in Christ Jesus. We praise him for the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. We praise him for the promise of Jesus coming again in glory. The mighty deeds that he has done. But it also says, praise him according to his excellent graceness, his surpassing greatness. We praise him not only for what he has done, but simply for who he is in his majesty, in his glory, in his mystery of who he is. There is a response. It's not just for what he has done. What have you done for me? But simply because you are this glorious, mysterious trinity. We praise him for this reason. And how is it in the Psalms that we pray, praise well, um, it's loud and it's enthusiastic. It's almost unrestrained. It may feel a little bit different than, I, I think, I often think as I come to worship most frequently, I think we're going to have to adjust a little bit to worship in heaven because it's going to be a little more enthusiastic than usually what we're up to. But it says this, praise him with a trumpet sound, praise him with a lute and harp, praise him with tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with resounding cymbals, praise him with loud crashing symbol. There is this exuberant, glorious, life-filled worship of the glorious Trinity of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our first response to God as Trinity is to come before him in adoration and worship. Well, our second response is to respond to him, to the community, to the love and the community that is between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to, is to live in community ourselves, to be the reality of the church. Jesus calls us into relationship with God, but in calling us into relationship with God, rather unfortunately, he calls us into relationship with each other. And we have to sort of live through the reality of being in relationship with each other. And that calls us to this kind of love. Paul says this at the end of 2 Corinthians. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. And greet another, one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. And then he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you always. Aim for restoration. Agree with one another. Live in peace. These are all exhortations to life that assumes that we are living together in loving community. There is no such thing as Christian life that's just me and Jesus by myself. There is no such thing as just the Father or just the Son 
or just the Holy Spirit. To be in relationship with the Trinity is to be in relationship with the community of his body. It is to be together, to, to agree with one another. As Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are of one mind, that's the, the heart of what it means to be in agreement as brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, this is not us all thinking exactly the same thing all of the time. It is not groupthink that enforces agreement and conformity in all things. There are varieties of opinions on various non-essential things. But at the heart of the gospel is this calling for us to be of one mind, to agree together on the things that are essential, on the things that we articulate from the scriptures, the things that we see in uh, the creeds. And agreeing with one another in that sort of way, where there are differences on some level, is the hard work of listening and hearing one another and coming to general consensus on things. Living in peace flows from agreeing from, with one another, but also from the commitment to pursue agreement and even restoration, rather than complaint or resentment. That is this calling where there's harmony in the body of Christ. There's an invitation for us to be brought towards harmony, agreeing together. It is so easy for us when we struggle with our brothers and sisters to, to descend into that place of complaint or resentment. And the exhortation as we see the Trinity, as we respond to the Trinity, is to come to this place of agreeing with it, to doing the hard work of coming together in community, in agreement. And the last thing that I'm going to say something about sort of the community, which I think is really important, is Paul, sa uh, Paul says this, he says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, one of the things that I have been thinking a lot about recently is that the scriptures and the, really invite us to love one another. And love, of course, is sometimes hard, and lo love involves choosing to love people when they're not all that lovable. But love also contains affection. There's this there is affection. There is loving affection between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as Paul talks about the holy kiss between the brethren, um, he is calling us to this place of affection for one another. Not just putting up with one another because it's our job to love each other because God has told us to, but really the development of affection for one another. The church is filled with affection. They know we are Christians because of our affection for our love towards each other. So the community of the Trinity invites us also into that kind of loving community experience together. So certainly, certainly the, the worship, the, the, the Trinity inspires us to worship. The Trinity in, in the Trinity in God's community within himself invites us into that loving, affectionate, agreeing, harmonious community together. And then thirdly, the response of us to the, to the, the reality of the Trinity of God is fundamentally missional. Jesus says this, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Here, the reality of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is directly connected to mission. The command of our Lord in this context is to go. He says, go, go and make all disciples of all nations. There is always, I think, or always should be at least, an outward impetus in our response to God. Our awe and worship of God impels us to mission. Jesus says to us, go. Now, for many years, our, kind of our picture of what you needed to do in terms of sort of growing a church is to attract people to your church. So you do interesting things, you um, 
you have various events, you have special services or whatever it is. You do things to attract people to your church. But Jesus never said attract. He said go. Um, the, the, the missional impulse of the church is always outside of itself. In response to the love of God that is poured out at us, there is this impetus to go, to speak to others, to be in engagement with others about the glory of who God is. It's the, one thing that's true about us is when we love something, we are inclined to share it with others, to tell other people about it. I do a lot of sort of interesting reading that is not sort of spiritual reading. Like I recently read an interesting book on the history of concrete, which may not sound that interesting to you, but it actually was fairly interesting. I learned lots of things that I had, no, had not known before. And I've told, now you, but other people, a lot of things about the history of concrete um, because I read this interesting book. Um, we, when they're fine, when things we're excited about, we share them with us. Now, I'm going I'm to tell you this um, story. I had a pizza conversion earlier in life. Um, so it's kind of a green eggs and ham story, like, you know, would you like pizza? No, I don't like pizza. I don't like pizza. I don't like pizza. I will not try it. I did not like pizza. I was not interested in pizza. I would not eat pizza. But now I love pizza. Um, I love it too much. It is one of the only foods that I will consistently Overeat. Oh, there's still a piece. I will eat that. I've already had eight, but nine will be fine. I love pizza because my family and friends, um, knowing that I was not a pizza lover, had decided, uh, had decided. well, I know he doesn't like pizza, but we're going to still talk about pizza because we like pizza. We're going to eat pizza in my presence um, because we like pizza. It's not you know, it's, it's fine. And they talked about it. They ate pizza in their presence. And being consistently exposed to their love of pizza, I eventually tried it. And the rest is history. This is the picture of evangelism. <laughs> it is. It is. Would we do the same thing about our love for God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that my family and friends did for me about pizza? It's just insane. So in the end... The truth is everything begins with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He reveals himself in the scriptures to be this mysterious unity that is still a trinity. How do we understand that? I'm not sure that we do. And frankly, I'm kind of happy that it's hard to understand because there needs to be something about God that remains mysterious to us, something that is beyond our sort of mere rational comprehension. But in response <coughs> to God's self-revelation of himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we respond. We respond in awe and worship. We respond in gathering as community, gathering as church. And we respond in mission, in, resp in making disciples of all nations, going out and speaking the reality of this mysterious and glorious and loving and kind and compassionate and self-giving and self-sacrificing God to the world that is around us. The worship and community and mission are our responses to God who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks and praise for all that you are. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the mystery glory and the mystery of three persons and one God.
We pray even today, Lord, as we are in your presence and you are in ours, we pray that you would move us to worship, that you would bind us together in community, and Lord, that you would send us out to speak of the good news of Jesus to those around us. And I ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.